In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the Sixers' incredible comeback win over the Milwaukee Bucks, snapping Milwaukee's 16-game winning streak. We go over the report of Harden's rumored interest in possibly returning to Houston over the summer. We discuss Tyrese Maxey being inserted back into the starting lineup, and of Dwayne Dedman now being available to play, and why Paul Reed should continue to be the backup center. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. My apologies for maybe not having quite the frequency of pods that we normally do. Rich is on the road. Scheduling has been a little bit more difficult, but boy, do we have one or two things to get to. Unfortunately, we've got to get to them pretty quickly because Rich has to get on a flight to Indy, but how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, yeah, we I do have to get on a flight to Indy, as we talked about beforehand i don't some of, some of the connections and scheduling in the the midwest portion of our country i don't completely understand uh and it's been such a crazy road trip that i've been on the first four legs on because they played a miami dallas back-to-back which <laughs> yeah by the way you know I'm, two cities are not close I, I genuinely think I'm pretty good with geography and America in general. Those are far as shit. So <laughs> yeah. if you want to know why the Sixers gave up a billion points against Dallas, well, it's because they were bad on defense and Luka Doncic and Kyrie are really good. Completely killed them. But part of it was that was a complete bullshit scheduling. Well, I, I guess the way I'd phrase that is they were maybe the worst defensive game I've ever seen a team play. On a normal scheduled night, they'd only be really bad defensively. <laughs> okay, but we're killing them for that. Let's get to the positive, because I am in Milwaukee as we tape this, and uh, they got a pretty nice win last night, man. An absolutely incredible... And you kind of saw like hints of this in the third quarter, because they actually, if, if you take away the fact that Miami made a billion threes, and Milwaukee. when they weren't making a three, Miami, Milwaukee made a billion threes, sorry, I'm having flashbacks, made a billion threes, and when they weren't making those threes, they were getting the offensive rebounds. Anyway, if you take away that side of the court, the Sixers were executing pretty well offensively there in that third quarter. I think they ended up shooting 60% from the field in that third quarter and still somehow lost a quarter by eight points. That really shows you, well, first of all, three points are worth more than two points, and when you leave Grayson Allen open every time, that catches up to you. And I think my, Milwaukee, I'm going to say, well, why am I saying, probably because they just played Miami twice in a row. When yeah. Milwaukee grabs six offensive rebounds on like 11 missed shots, it's going to be tough to win that quarter. But you saw them start to execute offensively against a really good the top defense in the league. And then they drop 48 on them in that third in that fourth quarter, come back from 18 points down and snap Milwaukee's 16 game winning streak. Like M- Milwaukee hadn't lost a game since January 21st. They had a plus 12 net rating, 16 0 record over that span. The Sixers went into their arena and beat them on their home floor. It was certainly the best win of the season. It's been a very up and down schedule here, which you sort of understand when you get to the real tough section of the schedule. But you had that Boston near comeback, a disastrous game against Miami, a disastrous game against Dallas, and then this incredible game against Milwaukee. I think it's going to leave a lot of people going, I don't know exactly what to take from this stretch, but it sure as hell is entertaining. That was legitimately an incredible win. An incredible win. Adam Silver should be thanking the Sixers. They're the the most 
fun games in the NBA. Yeah. It's a everyone. It's a legit oh. banger every single night. It's <laughs> even the the Dallas game which the Sixers weren't really in. They lost by 6 and they made a yeah. comeback in the fourth quarter of that game. While Luka and Kyrie making them look like Luka and Kyrie, you would think their top end would be offensively. They they played God, with that Memphis and Boston and first Miami game, they've played four unbelievable, five just terrific basketball games. Fun, high quality, high stakes. I would say maybe the first Miami game wasn't the highest yeah. quality, but it was close. The other three have been just terrific basketball games between two of the top teams in the NBA. Um, I just look at this win. Yeah, it was a little crazy. I, I think it was very Sixers-y in that, for three quarters, it was not the most complete performance, right? The transition defense was terrible. Sure. And, and it felt like for three quarters, Milwaukee was doing the little things, the execution things yeah. that matter. Yep. Um, the Sixers had to work harder for their shots, yes. I would say. Especially in now, that first half, it felt like everything the Sixers got was a real grind. And they were only down, what were they down, like six at the half, something like that. It was pretty, or maybe at eight, like it ballooned at the end. But they were. it was a five-point game for most of that half. And it just felt like the Sixers were, not to steal a phrase, stuck in mud offensively, which again happens. That's a really good Milwaukee team. That's almost it's the best uniquely, defense in the league. Yeah. And, and they're, they they're pretty like well positioned to defend the Sixers two stars one on one. When you put them into that pick and roll, it gets a little more dicey. But one on one, they are as good as any team in the league defending Joe and Harden. And you really felt that for the first. Like if, if Maxi wasn't getting something out in transition or an open look in the corner, or if Joe wasn't hitting sort of like that hang jumper they're just it was tough to get good offense in that first half and they turned it around in the second half in a big way and I, I remember i believe it was in the first half there was a stretch where you know they run a possession and it's where Giannis is defending pj and he's just gumming everything yeah. up because he's not and this was the story of the whole first half where he's helping off him in the corner and he just doesn't even care about his old teammate Sure, he loves him. You know, helped him win a title a couple years ago. He cares just, about him. He's just not yeah. worried about him offensively. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He just exactly. Him. Yep. PJ is still a very popular guy there, and I think deservedly so because he he did help them win their uh, their one title in a uh, in a big way. And there was a possession where they they got nothing, and Joel made one of the toughest three pointers you'll ever see. Yeah, and he just where, like raised his arms like, "What the hell's going on?" And you looked at it, and then on the other end, I think Grayson Allen hit a three, and I'm just thinking, man, Milwaukee, the stuff they're getting is so much easier. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's a product, I thought, of the two teams' defensive execution, I thought, yeah. where like the Sixers, to me, can execute better than Milwaukee, and they did at the end of the game on the offensive end. But because Milwaukee was so locked in on the defensive end and the Sixers were not that locked in, they make too many mistakes, there's too many hunting spots. Uh you saw the the score where the Sixers basically they were winning the possession game. They were shooting more free throws, all of those things. Milwaukee was just making way more shots, and frankly, they deserved to because they were getting better ones. So that's what it was for three quarters of the game. But like you said, third quarter execution on offense started to get better to the point where Milwaukee puts a forty spot on you. Grayson Allen goes nuts on you, and you're still not completely out of the game. Like yeah. that should be game over uh, against them. And then, for some reason, the Sixers, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the first two minutes, I'm not sure they have anything figured out. They got that figured out. They, they're the best first two minutes of the fourth quarter team in the NBA. Well, we always say that they, they're, they're, their runs are going to start when Joel Embiid's on the bench. It's reliable. It happens every time. 
And on that note, Tyrese Maxey goes nuts in Dallas. James Harden goes nuts in those minutes last night. The one common denominator, I guess there are two, you know, Shake Milton and Jalen McDaniels are also there as well. But the one common B-ball. denominator is B-Ball Paul <laughs> is yep. playing well. And yep. B-Ball Paul, who went on Twitter and humbly asked the <laughs> NBA refs, uh, I don't want to lose my minutes. What's going on here? Well, I, I, I love the clip because so he, he sends the first tweet and he's like, basically, how is this a foul? And the next one, he's like, look, I'm not trying to like argue with you. I just want to keep my minutes. Please let me know so I can change my behavior. I thought it was a fantastic follow-up tweet. It's just why he's such kind of an endearing figure. Um, and I thought, like, I'm looking at his stats last night, and he scored four points and had four rebounds in, in nine minutes. That's the best 4.4 rebound nine-minute performance you'll see. I mean, he got hands on balls. He... Um, he did a decent enough job on Giannis. Giannis scored on him a couple of times. But the Sixers won those minutes, and, and they got back in the game. And look, look, we, we've said it. When he has struggled and his plus-minus is bad, I have been the first person to point out, well, his plus-minus is bad, and those minutes were bad in large part because James Harden, those minutes ride on how he plays. And James Harden last night got it going at the beginning of that fourth that quarter. Fourth and quarter was one of the one of the best hardened performances we've seen in a year plus in Philly. Yeah, and and let's talk about that now in one sec, but I just want to say this like about the Sixers. Best defense in the league. 16 game winning streak for Milwaukee. You play them on the road. Again, best defense in the league. They shoot 53% from the field. They shoot 50% from beyond the arc. They shot 17 of 34. Yeah. Giannis, there's no ladder gate again. He shoots 16 of yeah. 18 from the line, and you win that game? That is not an easy game to win. No. And I, I get it. No, it's, not. it's it's the old Sam Mickey thing. Why, why do we watch games yeah, front to back, all, all of those things? It, it did not make sense in the moment a lot of the time, but... It's just a terrific win, man. It really is. And the Sixers have been – it's kind of like we have seen the Sixers, and we, me and you have talked, when they lose to Boston and it's a close game, we, we feel a little bit more hope than I think the average fan. Yep. They play another toss-up game against this team. They make the fans feel a little bit, bit better because they get the win. Um, and the reason they did it was that James Harden in the fourth quarter, like you mentioned, was terrific. Like that's as good well, as you can play offensively. Yeah. And, it, it you know, it – it's funny because the Boston and Milwaukee games, I think, are both good indications of why they're a dangerous playoff team. The only one that, I mean, look, giving up 133 to Dallas on like a million made, I, they only made like what, like 20 something. I forget exactly. It felt like a million. Giving up that to 25. Dallas was really frustrating. A little bit understandable, but really tough to watch. The one that really, I think, stuck in me was that Miami one. Um, that was the fr- most frustrating game out of this stretch. But they made up for it the next game. Sure, they, they did. They without yep. Joe, and they, they beat the shit well, out of him. Very well. A great switching scheme that we won't even get to talk to because there's so much else to talk about. Yeah. Um, but it was a really good performance there from an Embiid-less squad. But when you look at the two games against contenders, you had the one where they came back from a pretty big fourth-quarter deficit and weren't able to pull it out. And this one here where they did. A couple of huge threes. One of them. 30-footer from Harden. Another one, fly-by-three from Embiid at the end of the shot clock. Two shots that don't always go in. And would we be reacting this differently if they didn't? We probably would be because we're humans. And humans react differently when you have more points than the other team. 
but I think it really does go to show like one or two shots can swing that, that momentum can swing those emotions in a big way, but they played two incredibly tough teams and acquitted themselves pretty well. And if you ignore maybe that Miami game and that Dallas game, I think it's been a pretty good week of play, which is weird to say. And that game really did show against the Bucks. And we can't spend too much time on it because we have other things to pivot to. But it really did go to show that they make so many mistakes and they're so beatable defensively and you can pick on them so easily (laughs) that they're going to frustrate the ever-living hell out of you. But they're so good offensively and they're so talented. And when they're locked in offensively, they're so tough to stop. They can hang with anyone. And it's one of those teams. You know, Daryl Moore will make the argument that you'd rather have the talent underachieving that can ramp it up in the playoffs. Well, even in a big game, they can fall asleep defensively. Like they can fall asleep at any point. And I think they probably will at times in the playoffs and it'll drive us insane. Yeah. But they have so much talent that you can go out and do that against the Bucks. It is a weird, strange team. And I'm really looking forward to the playoff run. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I will say, and, and again, this goes hand in hand with they make mistakes. They do things the wrong way for a lot of games. You do have to give them credit. They, they are resilient. Like as far as the, the blowing leads thing, they come back. They, they were down 14 points at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah. If the shoe was on the other foot, man, people would oh. be freaking out about that. And and this team. The funny thing is this fan base, even after, after a, I'm sure Milwaukee fans aren't, because first of all, they've got the title. They have this 16 game winning streak in the back of their pocket. Even after a 16-game winning streak, Philly fans would be losing their mind after blowing that lead. Absolutely. And giving up Absolutely. a 48-point fourth quarter. Yeah. Look, the Sixers have proven, I think, this year that they're probably a little bit to the good on the on the they come back and yep. make teams pay for blowing leads more than they give up those leads, even if yep. they're pretty good at giving up those leads as well. It's I, I think it, it's been a good learning lesson for I guess Sixers fans, and I include us in this because we are focused as much as we try and keep a league-wide view. Like we we are affected by primarily watching the Sixers, and you yep. know that that is what that is how it's, we view it's the a NBA. Good point though, like Boston blew. What was Boston's lead earlier this week that they blew? Yeah, they gave up a seventy-seven to thirty-seven run yeah. against the Nets after being up by a billion. And then you had so. the the Bucks blowing this eighteen point lead and giving up a forty eight spot in the fourth quarter. Like these kind of breakdowns happen to even the best, everybody, of the best of the, the best. best of the yep. best, like one and two in yep. the league. Yeah. So great fourth quarter comeback, and you know I, I guess we buried, buried the lead a little bit. Harden was was terrific, and it was just it was old school Harden where they went matchup hunting on them yep. and. We'll get to him in a minute, but George Niang, his screening at the beginning of that yeah. set is... And getting, um, getting Middleton on Harden and Harden key. picked on him. Yep. Yep. Nailed it. Middleton. And I, you know what? I saw this early in the game where in that first half, you, you mentioned that they didn't get too many good shots and whether it was Embiid on the hang dribble or Tyrese in transition. A couple of the cleanest looks they got the entire half, though. Harden and Melton with complete blowbys of Middleton. Like, complete blowbys. Like, yeah. not... Even, you know, great dribble moves, because again, Melton was one of them too. Simple crossovers, full body past them, easy layups. And I took a note and I said, ooh, I don't know. Like Middleton is, he looks pretty good offensively, but I, I, I'm not sure yeah. about the, the defensive aspect about this. And, and I guess this is why we have said this for a while, but watching this game, I think, affirmed it. Milwaukee feels like a better matchup for the Sixers in the playoffs mm-hmm. than Boston. 
for the simple fact that even though they have the better overall team defense, and Brooke Lopez and Giannis are terrific defensive players, both of them, they have matchup spots that the Sixers can hunt, and they don't have quite the depth across their yeah. their rotation where I think they match up much better with the Sixers than Boston because Boston does not handle Giannis as well um, as Joel does like at the end of the game last night. But I think the Sixers have some some places they can pick, and, and Harden found Middleton, and Middleton's going to be in their closing five in the playoffs, right? Like, we, yeah. we would assume so. It's That's been their, their team for a long time. And Middleton had nothing for Harden, yeah. you know? Whether it was they, – they Doc again said whatever the play was called. I think it was called I, – I forget what the name of the play. It was like two down, thumb up, or something like that, where it's basically just Niang screens first, and then Embiid sets the second one, where the, the whole goal is – Get Drew Holiday off Harden. Yeah. Get Chris Middleton on Harden. And then, so they, they had some success with that play. And then they said, and to Doc's credit and the Sixers' credit, they said, okay, the hell with Embiid's second screen. We're just going to run ISO for Harden. George, you screen for him. Get Middleton onto him, and then James, go ahead. And it was terrific. And I, I will give James credit, too. It was not just picking on Middleton or Grayson Allen or those guys. Like, hit a step back three in Giannis's grill as well. Yep. Just a, you know, he scores 19 points, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Yep, 19 and four. Terrific. And, you know, it's been a great season for James where we've kind of talked about all year. He's gone under the radar. He's he's done the setup role with Joel as, as well as possible. But there have been moments along the way where we've seen like, okay, he showed the Houston scoring ability in burst when called upon. Can he, can, can he be that isolation scorer? I think it was good to just see like, he got that moment in the biggest of big games because yeah. I think it reflects what a nice season this guy has had. Um, and it's, you know, one of the biggest reasons to be encouraged about these guys coming in the playoffs. I almost feel like that is too natural of a jumping off point for our next topic of conversation, because while you might be encouraged about these guys coming into the playoffs, and I certainly agree, like that matchup, I think was a great showcase of the growth that this team has had offensively for why you should believe in this team offensively in the playoffs where you didn't in prior years because even not only could Harden attack someone like Middleton but even that primary action of Embiid and Harden which is going against two of Milwaukee's three best defenders in Lopez and Drew even that when Harden is making those step backs when Embiid now is an automatic mid-range shooter you know Milwaukee wants to drop off of that and really contain that and that gives up an open shot and even against their best defenders, the Sixers have something they can go to when Harden is making that step back and when Embiid is making that mid-range pull-up. Like in the prior years, when Embiid was trying to post up Lopez or when Embiid and Simmons were trying to run that bullshit snug pick and roll, like there, it was a <laughs> lot tougher to score against this team. Now the Sixers yep. have stuff they can go to that even a team like Milwaukee is going to struggle to defend. So I really think last night was a good showcase why you should believe in this team offensively more than you ever have. I want this playoff series so bad. And it's not just because the Sixers match up pretty well against Milwaukee. It just would be a shame if we went through this entire era of Sixers being good, Bucks being good, if we didn't get to see Joel yeah. and Giannis Lockhorns yep. in the playoffs. Also, I love Milwaukee as a city. That arena is terrific. There's just a lot of things I, I really like about it. And, you know, we'll see. Milwaukee is, is neck and neck, and I don't see them – losing too many more games on the season. So, you know, could be a coin flip, whether it's them or Boston. I think it's probably standings-wise just as important for the Sixers just to get some breathing room during this 
brutal stretch of schedule where, you know, you got Cleveland and even the Knicks starting to play pretty well. You know, you don't want to lose too many yep. games in a row there. Uh, Sixers still see... four losses up on the Cavs in the standings. So there's a little bit of breathing room. Mm-hmm. And that was an important game for them. But yeah, I just really want to see a playoff series. And I think the other reason, you know, just briefly, um, because I think there are other things we can talk about, but we're not going to get all the way into. Um, George Niang and Jalen McDaniel step in for PJ and Tobias. And I think George specifically yeah. goes to show that as much as people want a death lineup and people want, oh man, this guy can't be playing or we need to go with this five every night. It's not going to be the same five every night. It's going to be matchup dependent and who's making shots. And for whatever reason, and I think not for whatever reason, it's because Milwaukee helps all that shit Giannis was doing on PJ early, earlier. Say what you want about George. Can't do that against George. Yeah. He can't do it. He's well, gonna make George threes. was he was really struggling in the third quarter, mostly on the glass. Like a lot of, I felt like uh, Milwaukee's offensive rebounds came with George in the vicinity. Uh, he and Embiid were really struggling there to contain that. But then he comes out in the fourth, has twelve points on five shots, and absolutely, and some of them really tough. Like he had one over Giannis, one where Drew was helping off of him uh, just a little bit. He made some some pretty quick trigger, tough contested threes in there as well. They're quick trigger, but they're open. You know, and, sure, and he's, sure. got, he's like, got the trigger to get rid of those those babies, you know? Sure, but that sort of goes to your point. On most of those plays, Giannis is going to be able to close out and contest on that shooter. Against George, he can't. He can't. Uh, so that it's really does trigger. change the defensive calculus a little bit, and he was important. And George was a DNPCD in Miami when they went small ball, and that seemed like the right move. They played great that night. So, And I, I thought he was very good And after the game where he was like, look, I didn't play, and... Then I played in Dallas and that sucked and whatever, but yeah. we got to win the night and that was good, you know? And he was very positive about, hey, look, we, we played Miami without me and we got to win. So that was good. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, a couple huge plays down the stretch has been up and down recently. <laughs> Had a stretch in, in Dallas that was like, he was turning the ball over and fouling every single possession yep. for yep. about three minutes Four straight. Four fouls in like 30 seconds, something like that. Yep. <laughs> Never seen it before in my life. Hasn't been perfect, but that was some big boy minutes. And we, we always talk about, you know, he played in Charlotte. He didn't really play real basketball for uh, for a long time. That was real basketball, and he was awesome. Down the stretch, makes the three big free throws after Giannis fouls him. As makes a big follow-up put-back dunk, which I after feel like he's been winding dunks, up for for <laughs> two weeks. Yep, He's been missing poster dunks for two weeks. He finally got one to go in the biggest moment, which was yep. was cool. And then he guarded Drew down the stretch, which... You know, Drew and, and Giannis had a lot of success running their two-man game, but also did not look out of place. And look, he was able and part of the Sixers' ability to get a few more stops than the Bucks because the Bucks weren't stopping the Sixers on the other end. And then the other reason, I guess the last thing I'll say about the game, and something that I'm very curious about come playoff time, look, Joel Embiid did not play a good game last night by his standards. Not... Not a bad game, but not his highest level. And he said that after the game. He said, I didn't play a good game. Um, Lopez, for him, is the toughest matchup in the league. There was the play in the first half where Lopez swats his shot in the post. Joe falls down, and Lopez rains a three on the other end. And that's just why Lopez is really difficult to deal with. And I, I think in a playoff series, you have to be curious about who does Joe guard, right? Because... Not only you does he think guard they Giannis probably well, put him on Giannis and put PJ or Harris on Brooke, right? The Siakam Gasol yeah. move, right? For 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 the most part here, 
I mean, you saw now. that in the first half. They were switching pretty much everything and just being like, all right, James, go defend Brook in the post, and if he scores on you, that's fine. They're fine I with that. I think that's something the Sixers have to look into. I think they also, against Milwaukee, in a playoff series, I, I'm starting to become more interested in watching Joel switch 1-5 to five because yeah. just with the amount of breakdowns they have playing the other style, I, yeah, I just, just simplify there's something it a that, bit. like, just having them have yeah. to go one-on-one, you know? And every now and then you get caught in a scram where you have to communicate a little bit, and that's not always their strength communicating. But I thought they handled it pretty well against Miami, and overall the switching was fantastic. And it's a a part of the reason why I suppose we'll get to this soon. You really want to see them stick with B-Ball Paul because he can thrive in that scheme, whereas all of the other options can't. But yeah, I I agree with you. And and so the Sixers don't really pull out the the Joel on... Giannis move until late in the game and I think some of that is they don't want to wear him out too much in the regular season maybe they don't want to show their cards for a playoff series and they're also I think the switching thing is okay Joe's gonna have to work harder on defense in a playoff series but guess what if if that's the case guess what it's the freaking playoffs good good you have to work harder Uh, so last night they didn't really do that but down the stretch there were two key shots at the end there were three including that walk after they're the worst late inbounding team in the league it's ridiculous. They can't get the ball in. Um, there, but there were two shots where the Sixers kept Milwaukee in front of them, and Giannis had to score with touch over Joel. He couldn't do it. Yeah, you know. And, yep. and Joe, he joked about it after the game. He's like, "It's hard. It's not fun guarding him." He gets the one block call, which is questionable. Then he gets the charge call, and Joe said it's like a, a fullback running straight at you. But that is another element that is just. I don't know. It's it's a very juicy NBA playoff matchup if it happens. Just your two of the best three players, five players, I don't know, whatever, in the league going head to head and you know, both playing really hard and going mano a mano. It's uh it was fun stuff and I also think schematically for the Sixers, like you said, it, it's something I think we're gonna see if they play in the playoffs. And I think we're gonna see it maybe from the start of the game. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with Bet MGM this season. We'll be using the Bet MGM lines to make all our picks. And we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10.00. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. Yep. Real quick injury news uh, Tucker left the game with back spasms. Tobias he was Harris. not moving good in the locker room, by the way. Those back spasms suck. 
Yep. Tobias Harris left calf soreness. Rivers, after the game, sort of sounded like he wasn't expecting, or at least there was a possibility that they wouldn't play in Indy. I, I guess, do you have anything else to add, sort of, about those two? No, we, we didn't see Tobias afterwards. PJ in very good spirits after a win and, you know, being back in Milwaukee and, you know, he's been playing better, did not play a great game against Milwaukee. He was in good spirits, but yeah, I think the, the back spasms got to him and he was not moving great. And I know, you know, from, from seeing that injury up close over years, that's, that's not a fun thing to deal with uh, right no. away. So we'll see. I, I don't know the, the extent of those injuries yet though. All right. The other sort of thing here before we get to the, Harden news, which I think I'm sort of saving to the end of the podcast, just so we have an excuse not to dwell on it too much, because Rich has to run to the airport. Good timing. Two other quick things. Maxi back in his starting lineup. We got to finally see the second of the three starting lineups. My overall read on it is these were not two matchups. You would say Maxi being in a starting lineup was done for matchup purposes, especially not against Dallas, but even against Milwaukee uh, with, with Drew being such a big guard. Is your read on this, and maybe you have a little more information because you're out there, is your read on this, this is just going back to the original starting lineup, not this was done for matchup reasons? My read is the same as yours, but it's okay. not because of what Doc says. Because Doc says, oh, no, you know, we'll mix a match and play different different lineups or whatever. No, I, I think it's what happened is is exactly your read. And I think ultimately, if I had to guess, that was we're going to try and see how this looks for a month and a half. Um we're going to see how Maxi looks off the bench. We're going to see how Melton looks in the starting lineup. And it looks like they came to the decision, okay, we're going to go back to the other thing. And uh, that's what it's going to be moving forward. Yeah. We'll Overall, see. you have uh, 991 possessions with Melton alongside the other four. They were plus 6.7. 440 possessions so far with Maxi alongside the other four starters, plus 16.7. A large portion, about four points of that does come back to the offense but a large portion, an equal portion at least, comes back to a defensive improvement with Maxi. I think we've stated in the past, some of that might be small sample size, only 440 possessions. But if Melton isn't fixing that defense, go back with the more important player, go back with the better offensive player. I think the Melton in the starting lineup was probably a little bit disappointing in the results, and Maxi's very, very important for the team, both present and future. He Melton's also not playing well right now. I think his, no. his defense is... It's pretty yeah. bad right now. Like one on one, he's just getting smoked by a lot of these guys. I mean, even in that game um, last night, he has not been very good. And look, I, I still think he could be a very key playoff piece. He's, you know, it's like George might be a little matchup dependent. You would hope in his case, it's a little less matchup dependent because he's got more of that well rounded skill set. But uh, yeah, ha- hasn't been very good. And that that's what my read is. You know, maybe Doc, maybe he shows up, uh, shows us a third lineup. Maybe he, he mixes and matches and says, I told you so, but I don't know. Just just judging how this has gone over the past little bit, and like you said, the results not changing in a drastically positive way. My, yep. my guess is this is going to be your starting lineup moving forward, and I, I support it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we we spoke about this pretty recently. It was getting getting to be time to go back to Maxi. Other sort of roster news, Dwayne Dedman is, was available last night for the first time <laughs> since the Sixers acquired him. He was a DNPCD. Doc Rivers said before the game that he sort of expected Dwayne to be a DNPCD, but People depending didn't on how the him. game went. Yeah, no, I was, I was expecting to be the first big off the bench because Doc lies in pressers, which there. I don't even really... He's truthful. Yeah, I don't even... Like, if that's a game he wants to play, not with us, but he's playing the game with the other team. That's fine, whatever. 
I guess um, my question here is, do you think that was because, because I think when you looked at it, we spoke about this when they acquired Deadman. This was maybe the one team where he might make sense against. And we saw that in part in the second half when, you know, Milwaukee was pounding the offensive glass. Do you read anything into the fact that this was maybe the one matchup that makes sense for him and Doc didn't go to him? Or is that just, he's new, he hasn't really gotten much practice time, you don't want to throw him into the fire? What was your read on that? And, and by the way, I think Paul should be playing in pretty much every matchup, but we'll get to that later. I don't want to make any sweeping statements because it's like you said, he, you know, he was just made available just before last night's game. So th- there could be an element of newness. I mean, I, he's been around for a while, so like he should know enough of the plays and, and those things. And he, he is a veteran player. But yeah, I mean, I, my read is the same as yours. Like that's the matchup he probably would play in. They're freaking huge up front. And Paul played and he was great. So, you know, there's no reason to not keep riding with Paul. All right. And then the final bit of news from from The Athletic, another hardened report. What do we got here? We got about seven minutes or so until Rich has to get out of here, so we will have time to get to this one. Another yep. basically report that the uh, this one from Sam Amick and, and Kelly Eco. Was it both of them? Were they both? Yes. Did they both team up? Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just Sam. Uh, but from The Athletic about basically that the smoke that Harden might have interest in returning to Houston, that there is more to it, uh, that there is basically that's a realistic possibility. We spoke about this a little while ago, I think when ESPN came out about it, feeling like it was largely leveraged, but that the interest in Houston was there. Has your sort of opinion changed on the possibility of it? I think it's probably become more likely. When you have, and I, and I trust Sam and Kelly sources that, you know, that that there are well-placed people who believes that James would seriously consider this. Uh, yeah, like I think it's heading into the offseason, I, I view it as a real possibility. Now, I think there are a ton of variables here. How much money do the Sixers offer him? Right. How good of a playoff run is this? Like, I think you look at James and Joel after the game, like they're like buddy-buddy. They're like, we're the first teammates since 1967 for the Sixers that had 30 points and 10 assists in the same game. They're, they're really enjoying themselves. But look, James has a, a major affinity for that city. Um, so, and look, I, do I think it makes sense basketball wise? No, like, I think it's crazy. <laughs> First off, the Sixers are giving them a real chance to win a, or compete for a title or giving them probably the best chance of any team that would have him. And Houston, they're not going to do anything. Like they're they're terrible. Like if if you add him to that team, okay, yeah, they're better because he's playing so well, but not in any contending sort of way. You know, maybe they get Wemby, but even so, I wouldn't think they're ready to to really win for a couple years. So, look, I, but I think ultimately it comes down to when when enough people are reporting this, it, it even if it is a leverage play, it's it's a nice leverage play. It's it it feels like something that he is going to put out there and and dangle in front of the Sixers, even if he does plan on staying. So I think the way we covered this the last time we spoke about it was that we viewed it mostly as a leverage play, but that in order to be a true leverage play, it actually had to be a realistic possibility. It has to to actually be something that scared the Sixers into giving you what you wanted. And you can't scare the Sixers if they don't believe that you would follow through with the threat. So I think I always viewed it as a possibility, but I think it's not something that has crossed. Like, I think some people view it as it's going to happen or he doesn't have interest in returning the Sixers. I still don't get the sense that that is the situation. So 
I guess basically the way and I'm trying to basically figure out where I put my odds of Harden returning to be. And I'm still sort of working through that. But here are sort of like the things that I think are going to shift those odds in a big way. First of all, how do the Sixers look in the playoffs? Do they get to the conference finals? Do they get to the finals? Uh, do they win it all? What's Harden's sort of like view on how much championship equity this team truly has? That's massive. I think that's going to be massive when we get there. Second, do the Sixers offer everything they can offer? And I think there was some good reporting by Brian Tepork, basically laying out the over 38 rule. The Sixers don't have a massive financial advantage over a team like Houston. Uh, there's basically the difference is 5% raises that Houston can offer versus 8% raises that Sixers can offer. That only comes out to like eight or $9 million over the course of a four-year contract that largely gets swept away by differences in state income tax. So there's not a huge financial advantage the Sixers would have. You have to basically have Harden believe that he has a chance to win a title here in Philly. And I do think that is still a significant part of the calculus. But I think he also wants his money, so the Sixers are going to have to offer at least as much as Houston is. Will the Sixers be willing to do that? And I think that's a big part of what is going on right now, is making sure that the Sixers do do that when it gets to that point. The other factor, can Harden, like if Harden does follow through with Houston, can he convince Houston, like another free agent, to join him in Houston? Because Houston will have enough money where they can go out and pursue two free agents, including yeah. Harden. It's not a great free agent class, so that might not really work. If that doesn't work, can he convince Houston to trade some of their assets for another star to team up? Maybe not give him as much championship equity as, as Philly would have, but at least a little bit of playoff equity and a quick turnaround. So I think all that's going to matter. But the real first domino is what happens in the playoffs. And does he feel like he can win a championship here in Philly? And then the second domino, if that is true, do the Sixers offer the contract he feels like he deserves? So... I think we're just going to have to see a lot of this play out. I think those odds are going to come down to a lot of what happens here over the next couple of months, a lot, which makes it stressful, but we'll see. Agreed. Agreed. And even so, like, even if the Sixers, let's say the Sixers get to a conference finals, maybe don't acquit themselves all that well, lose pretty handily to Boston or Milwaukee, a slight improvement over previous years, but not where you're like coming away, feeling like it's a huge success. It might turn out that he can't get somebody else in Houston and he wants to come back to Philly anyway. I think there's a lot of different ways this can go, but those are sort of like the keys that I see over the next couple of months. I, I, the only thing I would say is like, I don't think anything is a sort of definitive, this is how it's going to play out. I think there's a lot up in the area. Yeah. I, it, it would be nice for the Sixers if they prove that this team has a chance in the playoffs mm -hmm. for a few more years. Like, I, I think that would be, a, a massive thing because I Houston I don't Houston is not getting there in the next couple of years they're just not they're they're so far away like you said the free agent class is not that great maybe again maybe they win the lottery and get Wemby and he's like completely generational right away I, I doubt that uh, and they're just they're they're one of the worst teams in the league to to make that sort of jump would be very difficult I don't think he's leaving Philly to like team up with D'Angelo Russell like there's just not the free agency class I think is a big part of that it's not great. But look, I, I, it's certainly an element of this offseason. It is. It, it just it's it, it's going to be hanging over um, the proceedings because it's clear that Houston is getting thirsty and they, they certainly want him back. Yeah, because they and stink. them not having their picks is is significant here, and they they want to move quickly for sure. I I will say the one thing I don't think is a big factor is well, does he like playing with Doc Rivers? Because quite frankly, I just think Daryl would choose James over Doc. We'll see. 
Look, he's playing pretty well under Doc Rivers too. So he is. He is. I, yeah. No, it, look, I, I think that, I think I, the way I would sort of summarize it is I think Houston right now is probably a backup plan and also a leverage threat. So if things don't go right either in the playoffs or in contract negotiations, then you worry. Otherwise, I think it's probably leverage to get the most out of the money. That's fair. Um, we'll see. And obviously we'll see. Harden, you know, taking the, the haircut this year is certainly going to factor into his thinking. I think he probably wants sure. to get paid. And, you know, obviously he got hurt for a month, but to wrap things up has been fantastic. Absolutely terrific for this team. Really, fantastic. like, as, as good as you could have imagined, honestly. I so. really want to see that chess game in the playoffs and see how they can succeed against Boston and Milwaukee, at least offensively. I really want to see it. I really want to see it. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up so Rich doesn't miss his flight. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.